Hi, you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm joined by the amazing Olivia Heyman. Hi, everyone. As usual, we are so excited <laughs> to give you a new episode. Today, we are talking all things females and the Enneagram. So glad to have you with us. Yes. Oh, man, this is going to be a good episode as we're coming up on Women's Day. Yes, we are so grateful that this timed up perfectly to have Women's Day this week. And there are so many of us who just are so excited when we think back on all the accomplishments of women over the years, starting with Eve. (laughs) So we have a lot of great women. And of course, we have a lot of women who have made some disastrous mistakes like Eve. Yes. (laughs) So we are really, though, excited to be even more intentional as women, as wives, and just as Enneagram peeps. So today we want to share with you not only how women can do the best possible for their marriages and families and as individuals, but also to tell you a little bit more about our Enneagram research. It was pretty fascinating, especially to find out that women led as twos and nines largely. Really? Yes. Wow, that's interesting. Yes. And those two types, as you guys probably know, often get confused, but it was really something to see, wow, that 18% of our women were twos and 15% were nine. And following that were sixes at 13% and ones at 16%. Oh, actually, so ones were third. Oh, interesting. Yes. I am so like noticing that both compliant stances were coming right after we have here withdrawing. So we have compliant withdrawing, more compliant stances, and we don't have very many uh, sevens, fives, and fours right there, or eights, or threes. Wow. I yeah. actually I feel like I know a lot of twos, threes. I don't know many fives. The only five I know is my mom. Actually, no, I know another one. Mm-hmm. I know two. And I mean, it's so funny like that a lot of women have similar types. And we found that with the male episode as well. It really was shocking because uh, for women, we had 203 women surveyed. So, I mean, it might not sound like great. It's not actually as great of differences when I was looking at all these. And I'm like, okay, these are surprising for the reason of I think that we're not seeing as many assertive or aggressive women as I would have thought. But it isn't as surprising to see with what we know about research that, yeah, you know what, women really, they're doing some interesting things in their compliance and also in their withdrawing. And only thing that was a little bit surprising to me was I didn't know there'd be as many women withdrawing. I pictured more aggressives and I pictured more just with the women I've seen in my practice. I'd seen more people that were probably because they're coming to my practice a little bit more assertive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was actually just going to say the same thing. I was I was thinking to myself that, well, maybe she's not seeing that many because if they are kind of withdrawing, they might not go forward and actually get help if they feel like I'm just going to internalize everything and sort of try to maybe deal with it, you know? Yes. So that's why I'm not seeing as many nines in my practice, but I'm seeing ones and we got a good number of ones. I'm seeing a lot of twos and occasionally I see a six, but I don't see that many sixes. And you're saying you don't know that many fives. Um, I don't see as many fives in my practice. I've seen a good 
probably about 10 total. So not that many considering I've seen probably 100 ones. Yeah. So it really is funny because you definitely find yourself going, okay, are these statistics accurate? And I just want to let you guys know that statistics have such a large dwelling within a bigger framework. So just as that reminder that we're looking at a population of people who choose to follow me as a seven on Enneagram and marriage, and that has a lot of ramifications. Not everyone can follow a seven and survive it. <laughs> oh my gosh. You act like you're some crazy person. But I, what I like is that you are a seven, but you do go to five and you have that very like researcher personality. And so I'm wondering if those two balance each other out enough for someone who maybe is a little bit more structured to be like, I still enjoy following her. She's not like too crazy, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like it would have been harder to follow somebody who is, there would be following, but it would be in a different way if somebody was not as five oriented. I've always had a huge five leaning. I've never scored as a five and I know the interview is best, but I have always had a huge five leaning. I mean, even when I was a kindergartner, they called me Krista Shy. And so it was, <laughs> I didn't like that too much. Oh my God. But it was like, I'm observing, leave me alone. <laughs> you know? I, I see you in the corner with your like cubby and your like little like magnifying glass held up to your eye looking at everybody. <laughs> it was. And I just loved that positioning. And I also loved, of course, being celebrated as a seven. So when I would get a few stars on my paper, that was how it was ranked at that point. Um, but it was so fun to be like, okay, maybe shy, but I got three stars today. <laughs> so take that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh so my I gosh. appreciate you, all of you hanging in with my five slash seven stuff. And I think that we have to look at every piece of research that comes out of Enneagram and marriage in a little bit of that lighter holding lens that it's people who like Enneagram and it's people who choose to follow this particular account. But that being said, there was a lot of variety. And so what we could have probably said, let's throw the results out if it was all ones. But we really got a great variety. And in fact, ones did not really meet the top rank here. We had twos and nines for women being the most prevalent. And we we look at that and then followed by compliance stances again. And we think, okay, so we have some withdrawlers and we have some compliance stances overall in women. What does that tell us about the way women engage with with the world. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, what I think is more interesting in a way, because I just realized this when we did the males episode, we saw a lot more fives and eights and threes, I believe. Yes. So that actually balances out where we don't have as many women in those types, which is kind of funny. It is kind of funny because it almost, like you said, created a balance of, okay, yeah. we can see why sometimes opposites attract. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's really exciting. And it's also part of me goes, okay, so the women are compliant, but when they're struggling, that's when I'm seeing them. So they're either positioning themselves in their place of stress or they're the more assertives are coming in, as we said. Or, of course, as you can imagine, I'm seeing compliance stances sometimes and withdrawing stances sometimes when they're saying I'm really stressed. And that's when I know this is a huge deal. You've been through an affair. You've been through a toxic abuse situation. Something big has happened to make anybody of a compliant or a withdrawing stance come, whereas somebody who is assertive is a little more likely to say, you know, 
know what? I just want to get something fixed and move forward. I'm a three and I want to position myself for success. I'm a seven and I have a lot of extra so I can talk to anybody. There are so many and and eights, I think that could go either way because they really do usually heavily withdraw at five. But what I do want to say as something that I see with all women as I was preparing for this episode is compliant withdrawing or assertive. What's been a beautiful surprise to me is that every Enneagram type women that I've met, women that I've met, has really shown up with a huge heart for her marriage and has shown up with a lot of vulnerability. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been really special to say, wow, this is a powerful eight or three or one, and they're bawling. And um, it's really my blessing just to be there to sit with them in that space and to hear what's happening in their marriages, what's happening in their lives, because I know how hard that must be for some of the people to do that, especially the withdrawing types. And it takes a lot to sit there and actually say to most likely a stranger, I don't know many people that go into someone that they know who's in this field and is like, I'm going to lay out all my mess in front of you. Mm -hmm. But to actually sit there in front of a stranger and be so open and like, hey, I am in a bad place, I need help, is Mm going to be tough for anybody. But especially if you do feel like you're a little bit more reserved, that is definitely stepping way outside of your comfort zone, which is something to absolutely be applauded. It is. And I really want to encourage nines to come in and do their work with people, with your people in your community or with me. But nines are really just the ones I think I feel the most for is just please know that your voice is heard. And now knowing so many nines are out there, I feel like the extra gumption to say that today, just nines, it's a good thing to have a place where somebody's just exclusively listening to you when I know that's a struggle you often have is not really being heard. And it's nice to have your own place. It can be a real therapy. And we talk a lot about body work for nines, but I think being heard is so important for them. What I do have a question for you about is, Do you think that nine wing eights or nine wing ones would have a more difficult time in this kind of a space? I think nine wing ones have a harder time. There's a lot of self-pressure that they put on themselves to be perfect. Interesting. People don't always realize that, but there's a sense of, I need to figure this out myself. I am very good with money. So there's a sense of, I don't necessarily want to spend on myself or at all. Um, A lot of people think nines aren't the best with money. And sometimes they really are the ones who carry the money well in their families. So it's hard to, you know, it's good not to stereotype. We've done some financial research on the Enneagram and marriage site. And it was hard for me to stomach it when there were a lot of grand claims being made about certain types being horrible or amazing And I thought, you know, we all get better. Even narcissists, actually, studying narcissists, they even get healthier after 40. I mean, people just start getting healthier as they grow older. So for us to make grand claims about anything is hard. But I do like how Olivia is asking because it's a great question. A nine with an eight wing is more able to say, hey, I deserve to be heard and I'm not afraid of getting my needs met. So it's pretty cool that they have that going for them. And let's encourage, like you're saying, the nine wing ones. That was an awesome question. Definitely. Yeah. And I think too, because sometimes people are like, okay, I am a nine, but 
you know, I, I have that eight wing or the one wing. And so it's going to be very different because I know we were even having a, a private conversation about the nine wing one versus the nine wing eight and how they are similar, obviously, because of the nine, but they do differentiate in a lot of different areas. Yeah. And they really bring their own strengths and weaknesses. So it's a very cool one. And I'm looking forward to that episode, too. I feel like nines are so patient because you guys are the last <laughs> ones and we're doing episodes in between. But we will get to you and we will celebrate you well when we get there. Um, but eights, really, I love when you come in and you share because I know eight men or women, it's hard. But the beautiful thing, like I said, is even seeing these assertive types or withdrawing types really share gives me hope that marriages can be healthier, even if you're not a compliance stance person. Um, because what I do notice is a lot of the compliance stances to people, in fact, I think their marriages are often really, really healthy because they know how to make agreements. When they get stressed, they go to eight and they have this place of balance that comes into a lot of marriages. So often I think of those twos as being well secured and those sixes as being well secured and ones as well. But uh, where ones get in trouble, even though their compliance stances, we had some, not as many ones, but we had a good amount. They really get in trouble because we don't always know the vulnerability below what they're saying because they're part of the anger triad. So they're compliant, but when they're upset, they really can be critical of self and others, as you guys know. So female ones, what I really want to tell you today is make sure that you guys are letting your spouse know that you have a heart underneath your anger. Interesting. And I know with eight and one, what would you say? Because we didn't have very many eights with this um, data Mm -hmm. review. So for the ones, how would they kind of process their their emotions differently than an eight would because I think we all think eight is like very you know I don't want to say flamboyant but sort of very like intense and Mm -hmm. passionate and so um, with that would obviously come the anger as well so what would you say to a one who is feeling that but maybe is like a nine wing and so they're kind of shoving it down more how would you say is the best way for them to handle dealing with that in in a daily setting versus when it gets to the point where they actually are coming into you? I think that's a great question. One should really pay attention to the fact that they need to know they're in a wonderful privileged position on the Enneagram and the fact that they go to four in stress, they go to seven in health, so they have access easily to the emotions and the thought, and they also have access to the instincts. So I feel like they're so balanced, and if they can just remember their options, and we all have options, but they have easy options to go to four to sense the emotions around what their instincts are telling them about anger, and then talk to their spouse about the feelings underneath. And we said that to the guys in the male episode, but that just also goes for the ones who are going to be more prone to saying, yeah, I reacted out of instinct and anger. I'm hurt. I was just doing a session with a couple last night on that, and it was really an important moment. It was a one and a three when we got to the point of saying, okay, what's underneath the anger? And I think they really needed to figure that out before we could get any farther. Oh, interesting. So this is just another thing about you know, open lines of communication and sharing with your spouse about, hey, here's where I'm at and this is what I'm feeling about what you did or what you've said in a non-confrontational way, but just lovingly sharing about how what they've done or said have impacted you. Right. And that's really hard after a while. We're going to be doing a fun episode on the seasons of marriage. And I know all of you young marrieds are probably thinking right now, almost all, 
hey, this is so easy. Of course I share my feelings. But after you've been through it for a while and you've got some more attachment wounds and hurts piled on top of one another, it becomes a lot harder and scarier for you to share your feelings and emotions. And sometimes it seems easier for a one to say, I'm not going to go to four in emotions. I may go there just for the victim stance thing and the jealousy and kind of thinking, oh, my friends have better marriages, but I'm not going to go there in health and start sharing the sadness or the anxiety below that. And that's what kind of surprised me about, like I said, working with women. I realized with me, even the most most powerful people talked so much and so vulnerably. But then I realized when their husbands were around, a lot of the times that shifted back up to second tier processing and not the depths. And then their husbands are missing this window into the soul because maybe in the past there's been a wound. Vulnerability really is something that you have to practice throughout your marriage. Right. And to get your self-care so that as women, you can say, look, I'm not going to rely just on a man to take care of all of my needs. I will lean into him. I will understand I have a role as a helper, which we all do in our marriages to help one another. But I also have purposes outside of him so that if he's having a bad day or upset with me, that I can do other things. And that way I can also not put all my angst onto him 24 seven, because of course, as you can imagine, I hear from guys all the time saying, I can listen to her for about 10 minutes, maybe 20, maybe 30, but she wants me up till midnight. Gotcha. Yeah. This is where boundaries really come into play and why, I don't know. I feel like in culture today, boundaries are either something that you really get or something that you have nothing to do with and you're just like letting everybody know about all your business and your problems and especially in a marriage that can get so irritating I imagine oh my gosh yes absolutely (laughs) and guys you know we say they have fewer words per day and there's been some studies on that and some men are more verbal but even my brother who's an attorney he has three sisters and he says I will not be on your group text because oh you guys are crazy. <laughs> that is what happens with my dad as well. That's so oh, funny. He has two he daughters has, and a wife. Yeah. yeah. Well, but he has mostly all sisters and oh, one brother. Wow. And so the sisters are going crazy <laughs> on text and like this and that. And he's like, my phone's blowing up. I cannot deal with this. That's so funny. <laughs> my sister, who's a three, and I mean, I'm a seven, so we're both more assertive slash aggressive. She texts me on the side and cracks up and she's like, David's <laughs> hilarious. And I'm like, I know. And oh my gosh. Like, but then we go back because we're like but this one's too good i have to pass it on to him oh my gosh figures figures that the three and the seven are having like a little side chat right and my one sister is too busy for all of us she's an ot who travels the state so she's amazing and she's almost i would say a genius i think her and my brother went to gifted schools by the time my other sister and i came around uh there was no money for that (laughs) or perhaps we didn't need that but but anyway them two are just a force to be reckoned with so it was funny that she um she She's like, okay, guys, I'm here after my like 12 hour day. What's up? You know, we're like, you missed it all. (laughs) I love that. But I just wanted to say like, I know you can't always and never. I know this. And I really, even I heard this in church this week that even the people saying always and never are saying you, you know, they're saying an always statement. You can't ever say that. They're using an always statement right there. But what we can say is most men don't have as many words per day as women. And I think women, you listening or any husbands listening, know that you're not alone. Know that you're not alone as a woman. If you have more to say than he's able to hear and process and guys know that you're not alone. If you feel stormed, 
by her emotions because she has a lot of big emotions. We have so many brain studies showing us some say no, some say yes, but but more lean into yes, women have more processing going on in certain regions of the brain. So we just have more synaptic activity and therefore we're going to process more. Therefore, our brothers and fathers don't want to be on all of our texts. Oh my goodness. No, I, I kind of agree in a sense that in one sense, you just don't know what someone else is like thinking, if that makes sense. So for instance, as a wife, you might not really understand how much your, I don't know, your stuff is affecting your husband because if he is like, I have a lot of other stuff to process, but I'm not necessarily sharing all of it. He's processing all of his stuff internally. And then you're like, here's all my stuff. And you're sharing all of your junk. And he's like, Mm -hmm. oh goodness, like I have now Mm -hmm. all of my stuff that I have to process alone and all of her stuff that I now have to deal with. And so it's just a lot of pressure on either spouse for, you know, whoever wants to be more talkative about their problems. Exactly. And I think you're right, Olivia, that a spouse can get really caught up in, just as we said with the male episode, that was so good, just how hard it is for them to process at all. So there they are saying, I'm working on processing and leaning in and doing my best. And now she's got triple the amount of words per day. I can't keep up. Forget it. I'm withdrawing or I'm going to scream. Right. Yeah. And so women need to know you're not alone, but get that self-care, get that exercise in. We talked about that a while back on my jogs. I mean, if you're an energetic woman, you really need to take some ownership of that. Thank God for that and be grateful, but don't overdo on your husband when you start to see, and please do choose to see nonverbals. Nonverbals are probably 70% of communication. So if you're choosing to shut that down and say, I won't look at what he's trying to signal to me, I'm not looking at the fact that he's intense, I'm only looking at the fact that why is he ignoring me, you're choosing to see it in a way that demeans him. And it doesn't mean that I want this episode to be about how can we protect men. It just makes me want to say to my sisters out there, your best options for understanding how to bless your marriage is are to put yourself out there, but to do that in a way that is honoring to the listener. And I think it also kind of goes to what we were saying before of if you do have all of that extra stuff to talk about, the best place might not be with your spouse. It might be you know, with someone who can help you process through those things quicker and easier and with mm-hmm. a more psychological background mm-hmm. than just, you know, kind of like using someone as a sounding board and just spewing all of your stuff that you're trying to deal with onto someone else who can't really mm-hmm. help you the way that you might need to. So that's another thing to look at of, you know, is this something just like really silly that I just need to get off my chest? Or is this mm-hmm. something that has like a, a deeper issue or something that I seem to deal with frequently that mm-hmm. I might be better off talking to someone about? Oh my gosh, that's so everything, Olivia. And it really reminds me that women can rely on other women, friends, counselors, coaches to be a sounding board when they're feeling like their male doesn't have the equipment to give to them what they're looking for. And even a letter that you write is a great tip for women to get things out in a journal. Or a lot of times people email me things and say, I'm trying to send this to my husband or ex-husband or we're separated. Either way, whether you're together or not, I love when people pass letters through to me And I've seen this with friends too, where you just say to your friend, hey, can I show you what I was about to say? And women, we get emotional ourselves, but when it's time to be scientific, I think we're a good job. We do a good job for each other where we're like, oh yeah, sure, send me that. And now I usually tell them, 
oh my gosh, he's not going to read that. You know, give me four bullet points. Right. Give me three bullet points and make them each two sentences. You know, this is something that's digestible for somebody whose focus is more on survival and that really honors their words per day. Typically, I think that's a really great. And and I'm even saying that about my brother who's a four and he's very emotional. I mean, he's extremely emotional. We process feelings. We did that even a little this morning. It's like he's able to go there. But when you've got three sisters or one intense sister in a verbal diatribe, you know, you need somebody to say, hey, can I really help you to hear me? Yeah. And a friend might be able to do that or a counselor when you're just saying, I know this is too much, but it's all really important to me. Help me digest what's the most important message to send. Yeah, this is why I love that you offer phone and text because sometimes you're like, I just need to get this out and like texting someone might be so easy. But there are certain things that especially and I think this is a good thing to bring up as well, that you don't want to bring up all this stuff to your friends about your spouse because you want to you want to be respectful and not air out your marriage junk mm. in front of everybody else mm-hmm. and then your friends know about your your intimate problems with your spouse and it just it's just kind of a messy situation and so that's where having someone who is a neutral third party is so great and because they're not going to go tell everybody else or your husband about what you've said about them mm-hmm. um, but it's just a really safe place to get out those you know issues or those little gripes and it's not going to damage your marriage in the future i think that is really i mean out of the mouth of babes that's beautiful (laughs) you're 22 years old that's amazing that you know that and she's right there i mean my kids are just on the cusp of all this at 12 and 14 and the whole drama that's starting around dating and with their friends, not them, but with their friends. And it's really interesting to see the alliances form and the girl tribes to shut down in the name of crushes, shared crushes or issues. And um, for Olivia to be able to see it at that end, whereas I'm starting to head into the sweet spot of 40 and up of more compassion toward other women and a little more joined forces, I'm noticing, yeah, she's right. Absolutely. If you're a young woman out there, be really careful about who you're sharing with. I'm still seeing a few fragments of that left in my friendships, but mostly by now, I think I'm working it out with other women and other women have been through such huge journeys. So at this point, everyone's trying to, you know, regroup, <laughs> pick up from the traumas and say like, let's be sisters. <laughs> but in the young ages, <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> no. I, well, also the whole frontal lobe issue. I just yeah. don't really trust what a 12-year-old typically has to say about my my issues. I mean, yes. you know, there is a lot of wisdom in seeking mm-hmm. out someone older and wiser who has been through it mm-hmm. or who has the training to help you through it. Because I think everybody's going to view mm-hmm. situations through their own lenses of their trauma and their issues. And so going to someone and saying, hey, here's what I've got going on. And then them telling you from their point of view that might not be the healthiest mm-hmm. is really not going to do anything for your situation. Right. And there are some really fascinating competing studies out there right now about how sometimes sharing your trauma with a friend can actually be more traumatizing. Yeah. So it's really important that you share it with a person who can honor your journey and align with you and to to be able to have that synchronicity with you so that they are getting it. They are not just empathic, but they're getting it. And a friend who has five minutes at the food court with your kids crying in the background probably isn't going to be able to give you what you need. And I think we're desperate sometimes, so we we do it anyway. But Olivia is right. It's probably worth it to prioritize it if you're going through something big to find some help out there. And, And I'm one of those people, but there's so many wonderful people out there who are trained 
to work with you on your particular issues and you can find specialties. So I love that you're saying that because we do have some great friendships in the younger years. And I know many of you listening do have that going, but women have to realize that as you grow up, that's when compassion comes. And in these young years, you could have somebody where you tell them a vulnerable thing as a woman and because of their own insecurities, I mean, we're seeing a lot of twos and nines and we know what their insecurities are. We say, okay, but is she going to run that through her two filter? And is she going to at all manipulate that to uh, find a way to get into your heart because she loves you, but maybe even say something that you didn't want her to say to your husband out of a sense of desire for her own stuff. And I think that could happen with a two, nine, seven, five. We just, we all have our own filters and we run things through. And Olivia's a great cautious six here to say, be careful, ladies, because at 22, it's not always easy, is it? No. And I think a lot of stuff comes with, you know, everybody's stressed out. Everybody's kind of frazzled and just at the end of their rope, you know, with work and traffic and just general life things. And so for them to kind of hear something like that, it might just get to the point where it's like, it's just another rock on top of the pile and it just is the one thing that disrupts them. And so however they act out because of that may not be something that you want to walk through. And so always be careful who you're sharing with. And also, ladies, do not go to another man and share your issues. That is huge. If you do share with a friend about something like we were saying, don't share some deep, you know, traumatic problems with your with your girlfriends or anybody except for a trained professional. Mm. But do not go to a guy and say, here's all my problems because there's going to be an attachment that forms. So if you do have something light that you need to get off your chest, use one of your girlfriends and just use them for um, their friendship and to give you a little bit of perspective. Mm -hmm. That boost that, hey, I mean, we're only at the food court and we have five minutes, but do you think I could email you later? Because maybe I can't at all. We can barely pay our bills, but can I email you and give you just five bullet points, sister. Yeah, yeah. And then she's probably able to process five or 10 bullet points. And then you can say, do you think that you could pray for me? Do you think that uh, we could meet for accountability? Do you think that you have anything to say about this? So if it's a trusted person, counselor, we're all for that. But I really want to echo with Olivia, do not find somebody of the opposite sex to give you that stimulation that you're looking for and that agreement because you just might find it. And Really, the stats don't really look like much in your favor at that point. And some of you have recovered from this. You've you've divorced, you've remarried, you're doing well, and I'm happy for you. But I want you to know it's really hard to journey that, that road where you're in a blended family and it's not easy. So I do want to caution you that you might not want to head in that direction if you're looking for safety, if you're looking for attention, if you're looking for a quick fix, yes, but if you're looking for true growth and healing, you're going to find yourself in the next relationship anyway with the same exact issues. So it's really important that you just do your work now and you find out what you need to do to heal and to grow as a woman. You have everything accessible to you. You're just as important as a man. You have just as many gifts as a man. Thankfully, our culture has really come a long way to help echo this sentiment. But I just want to re-echo it with you that finding that healing through somebody else besides a good spouse or a good friend or a good counselor is not going to 
get you far. So thank you for reminding us of that today, Olivia. And secrets is usually where it starts. So if you're looking for how do I know if my friend of the opposite sex is appropriate? Well, A, are you telling your spouse about it? And B, even if you are telling your spouse about it, are you telling them everything about it? If there are secrets between the two of you, that's right where the emotional infidelity starts. So we may need a whole episode on that sometime, but that's just a key word for you. If there are secrets, start backing away, start setting your boundaries and start getting your self-care ladies. You've got this. I also want to let you guys know that it's really important that you use your voices because Yes, we said it's a possibility that there's a skew in our sample with us not seeing as many assertives here, but I do want to let you know that being assertive is an important right that a lot of women through the ages have fought for you. So please make sure that you're thinking about just how important it is that you show and model for your daughters and for young women in your lives and for you that you have a voice that matters too. So withdrawing and being compliant all the time really aren't going to bring you forward in your marriage. Yeah, if you have, you know, something to say, definitely get it out. But also, as we always mention, do it with a loving, compassionate heart and not to be, Mm -hmm. you know, snotty towards your spouse because that is also not going to get you anywhere so anything you do do it in love and do it because you care about yourself your marriage and um, just your family in general Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great place for us to end I think is we're really excited that we as women have such power now in a good way and that we can get our voices out there but I just I'm a little disheartened that I'm not seeing more of that here so I also am really pleasantly happy to see wow there are so many people who put others first. There are so many people who are so agreeable, but the part of me that's aggressive and assertive, (laughs) I have to temper that with the other parts. But you guys have to get some of this where you have to say, I'm worth it and I'm going to speak out and I'm not going to go to my withdrawing place. And I have to do that too because I go to five and I go back to Krista shy. (laughs) So I can't do that either. We have to, we have to speak out. But like Olivia said, speaking the truth in love, Uh, We really need to sandwich our critiques with a loving framework. We need to find the right time when we see our guys being flooded with emotion and they take a good 30 minutes to calm down from that. We need to give them that time and that space and not chase them. And we need to be balancing out the pursuer distance or cycle in marriage. So I'm really glad you're joining, listening in. I feel like those who are trying to take these tips are literally changing their lives. So I'm really happy with what I'm hearing about the comments too. Definitely. That's just so exciting. Yes. So join us next time. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.